Hey, good evening, guys. <clears throat> Who's up for a little bonfire season? Woo! Yeah. Um, man, the weather yesterday, right? Uh, pretty legit. Hey, my name's Robbie Osinga. It's a pleasure to be here with y'all. If y'all haven't met me before, hi. Uh, I'm an old guy who uh, grew up as a part of this ministry, met my wife here, and, uh, and am honored to get to come back and speak a couple times a year. And so, um, hey, tonight... Uh, we're going we're gonna to do some things a little bit different in terms of how maybe I would normally preach. Um, and, and I think it makes me think about just this time of the year when it starts to get a little bit, um, a little bit warmer, but it's still cold enough that a fire feels awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the conversation, she knows what I mean right there. She knows. Okay, so the conversations that happen around a fire are just some of the most memorable in my entire life. Does anyone else have some like good memories around a fire where you like got to know someone and maybe someone else got to know you? Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna drop ourselves into the story that Emily so kindly read for us tonight and, uh, and put ourselves around the fire with some folks who spent some time with Jesus during his ministry. Um, and so before I do that though, uh, are there any ladies in the room? Okay, we've got some ladies in the room. So, hey, in a couple of weeks, another uh, old person uh, like myself, a good friend of mine, Dr. Rachel Dalton, is going to hang out with you ladies. And, uh, and so I'm just, I'm telling you that because she is legit. She is awesome. She's one of our good, close friends as a family. And, uh, and so just a ladies' night. I think it's a couple Sundays from now, so keep your eyes open. What's that next Sunday? April 10th. April 10th. Thank you, Joe. So keep your eyes open on social media. Come, and if you've got questions and you want uh, her expertise and experience, man, she's an open book, and she's just such a gift to us all. Amen? There's, oh, you moved. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this fire. Now, one of the cool things about the fire is the chance. Um, I love watching the flame, right? Because there's these moments where we're all talking, and then there's these moments of silence that happen around a fire where everyone's just looking into the fire and you start to see some of those flickers go up and you're drawn to uh, the stars up above. And it's in those moments that you're really reminded of just how small and insignificant you are um, in the big grand scheme of things. And um, man, I, and yet it's also one of those moments, it's like a both and where you feel really small, uh, and yet you also feel like, man, God is really big in the midst of that. And so uh, I, had, I had big plans tonight to bring my son's uh, nightlight. Y'all, did any of you grow up with a nightlight where it put stars on the ceiling? Yeah, I brought that. Turns out the ceiling's a little higher here than my son's bedroom. And, and like coffered and really cool. Uh, so that didn't work. But um, when I look up at the stars in the sky, even in this image here, um, I'm just reminded of how uh, intense it is, uh, this classic both and, um, where, fun fact, I googled this so you know it's real, 92.8 million miles away from the sun, that's how far the earth is from the sun, 92.8 million miles away, making it not too hot and not too cold, but just right. And then it's tucked in nicely in this perfect concoction of atmospheric components, nitrogen, oxygen, argon, carbon dioxide. Clearly, I know this all off the top of my mind. Um, 
And, and it creates this atmosphere uh, that allows us, uh, with the right 23 and a half degree tilt, rotating 365 times a year, uh, that gives us these seasons that allow nights like tonight to be a great night for a campfire. And for us to ultimately remember that we are known, we are intentionally created just like our Earth's distance from the sun and the atmosphere around it and the tilt that allows us to have these seasons um, so that we can know that we are ridiculously and very personally loved uh, by our Father God in heaven. Amen? Amen? So when I think about my experiences around campfires, um, I'm immediately filled with dozens and dozens of moments um, where, where people sit around and we just share the human experience that is life, the highs and the lows. And so um, that story that Emily read tonight, I want us to, uh, to use a small dose of what I would call biblical imagination. I'm going to actually insert myself into this story as one of the characters for a little bit here. And the reason I'm doing this is I'm, a, I'm born and raised in the context of the church, so I've never not known Jesus, um, or at least of Jesus. And so I've heard this story probably hundreds of times throughout my life. And it gets to a point where it starts to be a little bit of an echo chamber where I've just heard it, and I've heard it, and I, maybe I'm not looking at it the same way. And so tonight, I, wanna, I want us to imagine, like, I've been looking at this story the whole time of my life from this direction, and I want for tonight us to go and realize, like, oh, there's another window over here to look into this room, to look at this story from a different angle. And so we're going to go around to that angle, and I'm going to drop in, and, um, and I'm gonna, I want us to imagine that we're sitting around a campfire as friends, and, and I'm, and I'm going to represent uh, James, one of the sons of thunder uh, tonight, uh, as I hang, I mean, right? How epic is that? I don't have any tattoos, but that would be really dope on my arm. Okay, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in uh, to this story. Uh, so uh, just take a moment, listen to the crackle of the fire, here's some crickets in the background, and I want you to imagine with me, if you will, uh, us being back in the middle of this story. Because, you know, when you really stop and think about it, so much has happened. So much has really changed, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that people's lives were heading this way, and then it was like, and they're going a different direction. Now, it should be said that, like, by no means was everyone's life going in this, like, perfect direction. There were hard things. Um, there was pain, there was suffering, there was loss. Um, but, man, what has happened over these last couple of years has changed the world. It's changed my world. I know my life will never be the same. And to be completely honest with you all, in light of everything that I've seen, and after everyone that I've encountered these past two years, the roller coaster of it all, to think that I would go and do what I did this afternoon and massively put my foot in my mouth. I mean, after everything I've seen, you'd think by now I would get it. And there are days where I feel like I absolutely get what is happening and what I'm a part of. And then there are other days where I'm like, what in the world are we doing? <laughs> like, what is this? Am I a crazy person? And then something happens. 
And instantly I'm like, oh, right. That's it. Y'all, maybe I should rewind a bit and give you some context that leads up to the idiotic thing that I did today. So um, let's start with the boat. Okay. So there was this one day. Uh, my friends Drew and Cy, uh, and then myself and my brother Jonathan, we were out fishing because I, I grew up in a fishing family, and fishing is what we do. And so we were out fishing. And honestly, we'd been up all night, and it was not a very successful night. It was actually a very frustrating night. We did not catch a whole lot. And when we were coming back to shore early that morning, um, we are spent. Uh, we're tired, and we're about to pull our boats up on shore, and all of a sudden, he shows up. He shows up, and there's a crowd of people kind of following behind him. And, and he looks at Cy right in the eyes, and and there's like this weird tractor beam connection thing between him and Sai. And, and, and the man like pulls up his robes and tunic and he starts wading out into the water towards Sai's boat. Now, my brother and I are just sitting here watching this and like, what's happening? What is going on? Who is this dude? And he gets out there and I don't know what conversation he has, but him and Sai have a conversation. The next thing I know, he is helping him into his boat, and he stands on his boat, and he, ke- and he starts talking to this crowd. He's like half talking, half storytelling, half preaching. I don't really know what he's doing. Honestly, I was so tired. I was in a bit of a daze, and I was like, can we just go home? And, and then all of a sudden, he stops, and he looks Sai right in the eyes, and he says, hey, let's, let's take the boat back out into deeper water and drop your nets again. Now, I know you guys don't know Cy the way I do, but y'all, he has no poker face. He is just one of those guys who you always know what they are thinking. Is anyone else here one of those people? Where you, you have no, like everyone knows what you're thinking all the time? Yeah, that's, that's my friend Cy. And so when he was asked to go out and go fishing again into deeper water by this man that none of us know, we're all like, <laughs> no, we don't, he can't hide it. But there's something about this man. He's got authority. And so you could see this like nonverbal communication between his brother and him, and they end up paddling out maybe 24, uh, 25 yards offshore. And, um, and all of a sudden, he gets to the spot, and he, and he says, okay, drop in your nets. Now, my brother and I, we follow along because at this point in time, we're like half interested in what's about to happen and half like ready to take him out. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you know what I mean. So we are, we're there and we're watching this and all of a sudden, uh, he, he puts the net in and, and I'm not even kidding you, like 10 seconds go by and all of a sudden the boat begins to heave like full-on tilt action carnival ride heave it is like bowing down like this and all and and oh my gosh and drew his brother he's trying to catch his grip and he, he throws his oar out of the boat okay and he calls us over and so I was like come help and we're, we're we come over there and we're trying to help them reel all these fish in and it takes everything we've got to get all these fish inside of the boat and by the time they all come in we are just like half laughing half amazed just what in the world is going on and when things calm down We're all just kind of catching our breath. And that's when he says, follow me. 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will never forget that day as long as I live. I mean, for me, that's where it all began. Our lives were going this way, and this is the moment where our lives will never be the same. I know mine will not. Uh, I mean, so many things have happened. There was this time he turned bath water into like the best tasting cup from any vineyard I've ever had. It was legit. There was a man at the pool of Siloam that he just, that had been crippled for years, and he just got his mat up and walked. And then there was Rebecca, who was unclean her entire adult life, things I can't even talk about. And just by grabbing at this man's tunic, she was instantly healed, as if it never even happened. Y'all, things have changed. And then there's my friend Fotini. I mean, this one might be the craziest of all. And I actually need to be careful because I, I, honestly, I shouldn't even call her friend because I'm a Jew, I'm a man, and she is a Samaritan and she's a woman. And so even what I'm about to tell you, this needs to just stay campfire here, all right? Because so much about this is just, it's just so upside down, like honestly, I can't even believe that I'm calling her friend, but that's what she is. She has become a dear friend of mine. See, and this is what's so crazy. For generations, I mean, for gener- my grandfather's 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 grandfather, we have been at odds as, as, as Jewish uh, people with the Samaritans. Ever since the time of Solomon, when Solomon died, and we got divided into two kingdoms. We, we've been like weird, angry cousins, okay? And, and for years, um, I've been told since I was a little boy about just how ruthless the Samaritans were when Jeremiah and our people came back to rebuild the temple and the city walls and, and how they didn't want us to come back because honestly they had gotten used to us, gone in captivity, and they, they had made their own kingdoms here and so they didn't want us to come back and rebuild this city. I, on the one hand, like again, please let this stay at the campfire, okay? I, I get it, but they were so ruthless. They sabotaged at every turn. They tried to stop us from rebuilding, and so we've got years of animosity. I mean, my grandfather told me a story about when he was a kid that there were actually some Jewish, uh, like, terrorist spies who went to the temple in in the Samaritan uh, at Mount Gilel and absolutely decimated and destroyed their temple. Like, religious terrorism because they claimed that their temple was the true one and ours was the fake. And then a few years later, just before I was born, some Samaritan spies, terrorists came in and they did the unthinkable. They brought actual bones of dead men and spread them all throughout our temple because they knew the Torah and they knew that it would make our temple unclean and unable to be used for worship. Like, This kind of stuff has been going on my entire life. And then you put Romans on top of it, suppressing all of us, and we are just at odds with each other, which is why it is so hard for me to even admit 
that I am now friends with not just a Samaritan, but with the Samaritan woman of all things. But y'all, her story, Fotini, I mean, it's crazy. I don't know all the details because I wasn't there. But she's told us how there was this one day where she went to go get water from the well outside her village. And she intentionally did this in the middle of the day because she didn't have a lot of friends. And she knew that she would be free of the dirty looks. Now, I don't know what she did, but she had somehow earned a reputation that was even bad uh, for Samaritan standards. Anyway, she gets out there to the well, and he is there. She said that as they began to chat, he knew everything about her. He told her that she could not just have this water, but she could have living water. Water that would never run dry. Water that would quench her thirst in ways that she could never even imagine. The way she tells it, she knew. She just knew instantly something inside of her gut knew both from the prophecies of the Old Testament, of the Torah, the the five books that she had access to, from what was happening inside of her heart. This man, she knew he is the Messiah, the one that we've all been waiting for. And you know what? Even as I say that, I'm embarrassed. (laughs) I mean, like any good Jewish boy, I was raised, uh, you know, memorizing Scripture, knowing these prophecies, and yet she got it right away. She told us that she dropped her jar and she sprinted back into the village. She started knocking on doors and declaring, He's come! He's here! Imagine this, the very people she was trying to avoid just minutes before, now she is the outcast among outcasts, and she gets it. She proclaims that the Messiah is here, the one who is going to restore everything and make everything as it should be. And again, (laughs) he pulls a Houdini. (laughs) He just disappears. Right at that moment, he could have walked into like, like his glory in that village. And he, he walks away. He keeps on doing that. He keeps walking away right at the moment when everyone is ready to receive him. But he always avoids the limelight. And honestly, I don't know how he does it, but he does. Fatini told us that she knew that it was here, that he was here, and that he'd be back. And the way she tells it, It was like from that moment forward, her life was never the same. And everyone in her town saw it too. She changed. And apparently for the better. Everyone in town knew. And the story didn't just stay in that town. It spread from village to village. And so that by the time that we showed back up near that village, months, months later, thousands of people came to see him. Thousands of people came to hear him teach, to be healed. I'm talking lepers, cripples, deaf, mute, blind, heartbroken, distraught, afraid, all shapes, all sizes, all ages, all colors, from all over the region, Phoenicians, Syrians, Egyptians, you name it. Because of Fotini's story, they were ready. They, the others, the Samaritans, they were ready. (laughs) More ready than any of us 
to receive him? I'm telling you this story because I know who he is. And honestly, I don't get why he chose us to be in his inner circle, but I'm here. And my Ema has always told Jonathan and I since we were kids, be bold, boys, be strong, for the Lord our God is with you. The Lord our God has won. So we just did just that. We were bold today. We've been talking about it for weeks, okay? We waited until he was away from the rest of the group, and we took him aside, and we were bold. And, and we just, we asked, hey, when it's time to sit on the right, or when you come into your glory, could we sit on the right and on your left? Because you're going to be a big deal. And when you take the throne, we... We want to be on the right and the left. And we just, we just asked. And honestly, as soon as it came out of my mouth, have you ever been there? Something comes out of your mouth and you're like, no, come back. <laughs> that was me. I mean, we've already earned the nickname Sons of Thunder for just like wanting to cast down thunderbolts and lightning on Samaritans, these very people that are now apparently my friends. <laughs> You'd think that by now I'd have learned something, but I didn't. Again, I'm just so confused. Like I... But when it came out of my mouth, he didn't look at me with shame. He could have. He just let the words kind of sit out there in the open, you know? Then he calmly replied, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? We were immediately stumbling over our words. We're like, yes, we're able. <clears throat> and he put his hand on both of our shoulders and said, boys, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And this baptism with which I've been baptized, you will be baptized, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. He speaks in riddles. I don't understand what he is saying. Even then, I'm like, I know he loves me. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> but he puts his hands on our shoulders and he walks us back into camp. And he gathers the others and begins to share with the others by saying, you know that those who are considered to be rulers here amongst the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their great ones flex their authority over them. But that will not be so among you. Not you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. He paused. And lately he's been doing this thing where he just like looks off into the distance. There's something going on. I know it. I don't know what it is, but he, he did it again just now. He, he paused and he looks up and he said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Again, he put his hand on our shoulders and he gave him a good squeeze and then he walked off to pray alone. As soon as he got out of earshot, the group laid into us like, dude, what'd you do? (laughs) What did you do this time? And I was like pulling my foot out of my mouth and I'm like, I just... And I told him, I said I wanted to be on the right and the left of him when he walks into his Lord. They're like, what? I said I wanted to be on his right and that he wanted to be, when he walks into his, we we want to be at the table. And man, we just, (laughs) we, we got an earful. Everyone was like, oh, come on, and just giving us such a hard time. And then it was Fatini who spoke up and brought us all back to the point. You see, here's the thing about her. She's one of several women who have now joined this caravan as we're going from village to village and, and we're, just, we're just kind of alongside him. Some days we get it, we're helping bring order and, and kind of keeping the lines and some days we're like, what are we doing? We're picking up firewood and starving. But since she's joined our caravan, she has been eagerly trying to get her hands on the sacred writings that go beyond her tradition. She's asking all of us men who grew up as Jewish boys about our favorite passages of the Psalms and the prophets, and she writes them down in tiny little print on these scraps of parchment that she's collected. And now, at this moment, in the midst of our embarrassment and shame, she stands up, she closes her eyes, and lifts her face up towards the heavens, and then ever so quietly recites from the book of Isaiah, as if she's been studying it her whole life, which she has not. And she says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And then when she said this line, I remember hearing my mother recite this same passage time and time again over us when we were boys. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Y'all, Fotini opened her eyes again, returns to her seat, and while looking deep into this very fire, she says to us, James, Jonathan, none of us blame you for what you asked of him. Honestly, if, if anything, we're embarrassed because we've all thought of doing something similar. He just beat us to it. I used to think that God had given up on us, or at least on me, she went on to say. That maybe he'd written us off exactly the way that your people have so consistently told us. But now I'm learning that he was near, that he's always been near. 
And even now, he's inviting us to join him in his upside-down ways of living. The words of the ancients that I learned as a small child are more true each and every day that I walk with him, and I see him interact with all manner of people. My prayer is that the Lord give me strength to take him at his word, because I've found it to be true in my story. I was absolutely the least, and he has elevated me to a level of the greatest that I do not deserve. At this point in time, she's failing to hold back the tears. And honestly, so am I. <laughs> she finished by saying, real life comes on the other side of death to ourselves. Isn't that what he's taught us? Come on the other side of actually like living out these prayers we've prayed since we were children, that loving the Lord our God with all our hearts and souls and our strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. This is really living. James, Jonathan, he is not what any of us had expected. He is so much more. He is so much more. Okay. So that's a little different, huh? It's just me now, Robbie. <laughs> I thought I'd make it clear. Y'all, when I, when I think about this story, and I, and I put myself in their sandals, um, and I don't just rehear every sermon I've heard in the flannel graph Jesus that I had as a kid in Sunday school, and I look at the bigger picture of what took place here, and I try to bring that back to our modern days and times, I realize that his upside-down kingdom continues to challenge. And if I'm being honest, 39 years following this guy, and, and there are times where I'm still ridiculously confused on what, it, what he's asking of me. So hall pass for you, okay? But in its simplest, most raw form, it continues to transform lives. My prayer for each of us in here around this fire tonight is that we would accept Jesus' invitation to become less so that others can become more. Not because it is a sin to do the opposite of that, even though it is. Not because the Bible tells me so, even though it does. But because it is in this very act. <laughs> this act of, is the legit greatest in all the one who is the Lord of all creation lowered himself to redeem and restore and to lift up all things. Y'all, I have tasted, I have seen. My life is a walking testimony to this truth. And so I will trust what he says and I believe that he is good. And I will trust that if I lower myself and give up my life for the benefit of others, that's where I will find the living water, and I will not grow thirsty again. So, y'all, I don't know what this looks like for each of you. I, you know, it's fun walking in here and hearing stories that, 
organizations in our town, Salvation Army, Midwest Food Bank, are just thrilled because some of you gave of your time, energy, and effort to raise funds and awareness for what they're about, and I am so, that just is awesome. Um, I, I don't, I, I know we've got service trips that are getting ready to go out, uh, the May missions trip and other things going on this summer and even next, into next school year. Um, I don't know what the Spirit is speaking to each and every one of you, but I believe He is. I believe uh, this upside-down economy, this reverse economy of Jesus, um, He's inviting you to, if you remember, just a few months after this scene that we stepped into here tonight, before He went to the cross, Jesus said to this very same group these words that honestly, they speak to me here today. He said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So my my prayer tonight is that each of us will find our place, our next step in this reverse economy of Jesus where the greatest is the least and the least is the greatest. Would you stand with me and I'm going to pray and then Danny's going to and the band are going to lead us in worship. Jesus, we don't always get it. And we're going to miss it a lot of times. But Lord, we want the life that you offer. We want your presence that you so abundantly offer. We invite you to reveal to each of us the ways in which you are calling us to live our lives in such a way that it brings about good for others, not for ourselves. And as we do that, we pray that you get the glory. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.